It is a really cold Monday morning. The skies are gray, and uh, the streets are littered with uh, leaves from the trees that are all shedding their their leaves uh, all together at once. It's been raining all morning, so I'm carrying this uh, huge orange umbrella. And uh, this is the first day of a new week. And I'm excited because this is the first real week that we are working from our offices in uh, in Amersfoort. As you know, I've moved to a, another rectory in a village that is uh, nearby, the, or close to the city. And I live in a new rectory. I've moved the last bits of furniture last week. And so this week we're inaugurating the, our new offices upstairs where I used to live. Kids here in the schoolyard apparently don't really mind the rain that is falling down. They're Dutch kids. They know what water is. <laughs> we face the elements for hundreds of years now, and especially water. We, we can handle water. So the, uh, the offices have been rearranged. Uh, Martin, my producer, is working upstairs, and Inge today will also be working in uh, at least a temporary office. We're kind of still figuring out how to use the spaces. And, well, I've lived in that rectory for almost 15 years, so before we make kind of the final arrangements and uh, decide what to do in which room, we uh, we need to clean it up and we need to paint the walls and do, redo the floors and 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 especially the ceilings in order to get a more kind of an office environment where hopefully next year we'll have multiple people working as we expand our activities those activities by the way are already increasing uh, <laughs> tremendously over the past few weeks um i've filmed so many episodes and uh, did so much planning and production it's it's great to be at full steam and 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 i feel like now that i've moved to this uh, quiet village and i can separate work and my day-to-day life or let's say my 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 free time um and my church activities a bit better um it it helps me to become much more effective so this morning i i had to go to work which is kind of really new because work was always with me um, and as you know, if you've been listening to my stories for uh, a bit longer, you know that oftentimes the fact that my life, my personal life and my work was so intertwined, uh, it often led to situations where I would be working 12, 14 hours per week, per day sometimes. And uh, especially in the evenings, it was very hard to let go of the worries of work and, and all the things that were going on. And I've noticed that because now I live physically in a, in a different village and I have to travel between my work and my home, um, it's much easier to separate the two. And when I'm home, I really am home and I don't think of work, which makes me more effective and, and more productive when I'm back at the office. And uh, it, it helps me to focus much more on making the most of the hours that I that I work with the team at Tradio. But the past few weeks have been really insane. It's one of the reasons that I was unable, unfortunately, to to record my weekly show because of last-minute changes in the interview schedules and even the, the 
the the planning um uh i had to i i wasn't here on fridays and that's usually when i record my my podcast and that is one of the reasons that we decided to move the podcast production to mondays monday is a start of the week uh we're gonna make sure that everyone that works for tridio is there oh we've got some bikes here um this is one of the uh uh, itineraries for school kids to go to school. The uh, uh, so we 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 want want everyone to be at the office so we can uh, evaluate the the work uh, that we've done. Um, also, in, make an inventory of the things that we weren't able to realize. As you can imagine, we are our goals and our um, our wish list is much bigger than we can actually do with the three of us. So it's, it's always important to evaluate and to readjust and course correct. And that's also because we're doing a lot of new things. Our, our way of producing TV shows and, and new media is, uh, is very new. There are not many other organizations that work like this. And so we, we start with a, an evaluation. Uh, on Monday I have some extra time to prepare. I have more energy also to prepare for my shows. And uh, and it's a nice start of the week. Podcasting is much less um, demanding than filming is. Filming is 100%. Whereas podcasting, like now, I'm just walking around carrying a microphone and I'm just talking. But in, in terms of, of preparation and uh, actual energy that I put into this, it's a much speedier type of production than filming. And then for the rest of the of the of the week we can plan our tv shows so this past week i've been on the road for one two three days and a little bit more um to film so we went to the south of the country uh to film two christmas episodes so this year i've been asked to make two television programs one on december 18th right before Christmas and then another one on Christmas Day. And uh, I had initially planned to film that much later in November, towards the beginning of December. But then uh, I figured if I do that, I'm going to put so much stress and pressure on the last you know, few weeks of the year, not to mention that um, we all feel that we need a vacation between Christmas and the beginning of the new year. We need to take some time off. We've never done this. Uh, but it's, it's just so creatively, uh, so demanding what we're currently doing. that you, We need to recharge. We need to uh, even, like, uh, Martin and I, last, for the past two weeks, we've been working more than six days and long days with lots of travel and lots of production. So it will be important to... Uh, uh, to to recover from that and to make a fresh start in 2019. Inge is going to move to Amersfoort, so she also needs time off to uh, uh, to do that and to uh, arrange her new home. And I too, I, I need much more time to <laughs> to arrange my rectory. It's a it's a huge change. It's been 15 years since I last moved, so there is a lot to put in place and to arrange and there are still a lot of things missing in the new in my new uh, situation and I'll get to that in a minute so 
I, I've decided, well, if I can, I want to move those Christmas episodes um, to the beginning of November. And that meant that I had to change the entire approach and the entire topic. And, and I decided to go to the south of the country, which is uh, a Catholic region where at least most people are culturally Catholic. And that there is a lot of Catholic culture there, too. So I figured that is an easy... Uh, it's, well, not easy, but it, 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 it will be um, probably a bit easier to do a Christmas episode there than uh, if I would film that in other parts of the country. Not to mention that it's beautiful there. It's the only part of the Netherlands where you have hills and the countryside is, is gorgeous there. Beautiful cities, friendly people, just great ingredients. And I decided to do something about the shepherds of today. And I... It's kind of a, a, a patched-on idea. Originally, I wanted to fo- film... Uh, like a Christmas exposition in a museum, and they were going to uh, uh, put, the, you know, get the statuettes, etc. It was kind of a static topic, and then I wanted to film the preparations of a um, a Catholic choir, you know, one of those uh, traditional youth choir, youth and adult choirs, it's like a, a cathedral choir, when they were preparing for Christmas. But then I got stuck. I just couldn't find a good a good storyline in that. And so I decided to do it differently and to go visit the shepherds of today and ask them about their, you know, uh, how, they, how they read as shepherds, as pastors, how they read the Christmas story about the shepherds and etc. Plenty of, of uh, ways to tie that together. And then when I started uh, to, to make the appointments with the various people, very quickly that came together and turned out great. I interviewed um, the bishop-elect of uh, Ruhrmont, which is the southern uh, diocese. Very, very friendly, nice guy. Um, pretty young also. I think he's in his 50s, so he's just a few years older than I am. Um, he, and he collects statues of angels. And he told me a beautiful personal story of how that came about. Um, when he was 13, he was on vacation... And uh, that's when he experienced that he had been saved by his guardian angel. Just kind of rare to hear the stories like that. So he was uh, with his parents, and it was a warm day, and he was a teenager. So he had his head out of the window, trying to cool down. And he missed uh, a sign that said, uh, you know, dangerous obstacles next to the road. I forgot what it was. Trees or pillars or something like that, or or perhaps even uh, scaffolding. And, and so they were going full speed at, towards what could have been his beheading. And that's how dangerous it was. And at the very last moment, he felt, physically felt, someone pushing him back into the car. And a second later, they saw the, the whatever obstacle was next to the car, you know, missing him uh, for just a few inches. And so he always accredited that to the intervention of his guardian angel and from from that moment on he he was fascinated by angels started collecting statuettes and and now has like 700 more than 700 statues of of all sorts of different angels and so of course that is a great this is a great visual topic and a, a nice way to introduce the new bishop so we talked about guardian angels and about the role of angels and 
what we can learn from angels, etc. It was just a great conversation starter. And then for the second part of the interview, I asked him about his um, uh, his own role as a, as a shepherd. You know, what what changes when you go from being just a regular priest to becoming a bishop, and what is what is important? How are you going to shepherd this flock? And there too, he had just a very personal, really relatable story. I really enjoyed the, that that part of the interview as well. Oof. It's a big machine that is cleaning all the the leaves, or it's it's uh, cleaning the streets because of all the leaves. And since it's raining, it's making a lot of noise, as you can tell. That's one of the things, by the way, that I that is a huge difference with where I live now in the new rectory. That village, even though it is close to like an expansion of the city, it is super quiet. I sleep like a rock there. Unbelievable. The only thing I hear is the the, the bell the from the, the bell tower that strikes the at every hour. And I'm surprised even though my, my sleep my uh, sleeping room is next to the tower, it doesn't wake me up at all. Probably because it's a very familiar sound. So I uh, and and the rest of the day it's super quiet. It's also the parish, um, the, the that location of the parish is much more quiet. Um, there is uh, less activity at the rectory, and even when there is, or at the other side of the door, let's say, uh, there is a, um, a a room underneath part of my apartment. Um, where there are gatherings, so on Friday, Friday evening there was a gathering and there were a, a whole bunch of people there and I didn't hear anything. So they did a great job isolating it um, from, the, from, from my apartment. So now that I'm back in the city, <laughs> walking next to these busy rows, now, now I notice the difference. And I notice how, how great it is to have this calm place to, to, re, to retreat to. Um, yesterday, I bought this great, um, it's not a rocking chair, it's like one of those old-fashioned chairs, it's kind of faux leather, um, it was on sale at Ikea's, and it's, it's just a perfect chair to create a kind of a, a Harry Potter Hogwarts slash Shire Hobbit environment, so um, it's really nice to put that, to sit there in the evening and read a book. That's all I can do, by the way, because I don't have Wi-Fi. There is a um, very old-fashioned internet system there that they installed more than 10 years ago. Um, it's still on copper, so it's, it's, it's slow. And they only have one amplifier of the signal, which is at the total opposite part of the building of where I live. And so, wow, even more leaf machines. There are three there. One is paving the way, the other one is following. <laughs> there are guys in, in orange jumpsuits also cleaning uh, the streets manually with those leaf blowers. You can hear them in the distance. So... <laughs> None of that in my new village. Perhaps it will still come, I don't know. <laughs> But um, 
So since I only have internet on my phone, um, I can't I can't go online. My computer is not installed. I now hooked it up to my TV uh, in order to be able to watch DVDs. Can't even watch Blu-rays because uh, apparently my Blu-ray player needs to be online in order to play discs. So I'm currently just watching some old stuff that I still have lying around uh, on, on my hard drives and I think it plays the DVDs, I haven't tried yet. So it'll be a way for me to catch up with some, some, uh, some of my backlog when it comes to movie viewing. But then for the rest of the evening, usually, I'm just reading. And, uh, and I like it. It's quiet. It's, you know, I don't put on any music because my, my Google Home system also doesn't work because it needs Wi-Fi. And apparently I, I got one Google Home Mini uh, to work in the kitchen. That's the only one, the only place in the house where I can have a decent Wi-Fi signal that I'm, that I'm borrowing from the parish. But it's, a, it's like guest Wi-Fi, so it's limited. And it can't talk to the other Chromecasts and and and, and uh, mini system, so it's, it's a really really primitive situation for me. Um, but it is a bit of a retreat from, you know, the the frantic world of always being online and always being reachable. Kind of like it that in the evening the only thing I can do is read and drink a cup of tea. It is uh, the Hobbit life. But of course it's a. Uh, something that I that I'm going to make sure will be in place in the in the next couple of weeks. Another problem was that my fridge didn't work. So I there was a, a fridge that I inherited from the previous pastor, but what he forgot to tell us was that the fridge was broken. So that's great. I, I'm living there, I I need to cook and I can't store anything in the fridge. Golly, that, that is really annoying. And um, so I now have like a, a, a temporary fridge that someone, uh, a leftover fridge from, from the garage, I think, of one of my parishioners. Now I need to make arrangements to get a fridge. I also don't have a washing machine, so I still have to take my dirty laundry to the other, uh, to my previous uh, uh, parish location and wash it there because that, that they still have an old washing machine. So plenty of stuff to do, um, and but I like it that when I'm home in my new rectory, I can focus on that. I can bit by bit try to make it cozy and more kind of try to create a home. Um, and when I'm at work, I can totally focus on work, and I'm not distracted by anything else. And uh, I like that. So back to. Uh, Filming in the south, we also went to visit another priest who was collecting uh, Christmas cribs um, or nativity scenes. Um, we went to a to marl grottos or marl marl caves um, that are created by the industry, but are now used for tourism. And in one of those cave systems. They were organizing a big um, Christmas market. And officially that will launch, I think, in two weeks from now. But they were already building it up. So they let us in and we filmed some of the Christmas stuff that was already on display. And it's these little things, just 
happy circumstances. We were there. We heard that that, well, we, you could take a look. And we did. And then I have a new item. Also, another thing that made a huge impression on me was a walk in the morning on a beautiful, gorgeous fall morning. Unbelievable. It was the most beautiful morning of the year. And I, I'm, I've, I've interviewed a real shepherd um, who was uh, taking his, his flock to... Um, it, this is in the nature reserve. And he took his flock to a, uh, an area where they would uh, eat. And so I, I talked with him. And this was a young man. I think he must have been in his 30s. And um, asked him about his career change because he used to be a goldsmith. And uh, it, apparently that was a very stressful type of life. And he made a career switch and became a shepherd. He had always been fascinated by nature and taking care of animals. And now he's got a family. And, and he, he taught me so many great things about de-stressing. And um, one of the cool things that I learned from him was since I you know I'm in a certain way a a, a shepherd too I have to shepherd people so he taught he said how important it was for him to find inner peace to be calm to uh, to not be stressed by anything and to take the lead as well, but to do it in a very calm way. He said uh, to me that the, the sheep are, are very sensitive animals. They need to have the, their, the support of the group. It's very important for them. And they need the shepherd to be as calm as possible. Because uh, So his way of shepherding was to intervene as little as possible. Even his dogs, he had two beautiful dogs that were helping him that he trained himself. He said, I am uh, I'm, I'm teaching them to, to do the minimum of uh, uh, the minimum intervention because the more they run, the more they bark, the more they, they, are, they are excited, the, the more the flock will become restless and that will impact everything. So it's, it's like the, the calmer you are as a shepherd, the more calm you inspire the people around you, the better the flock will, will thrive. The more the, the flock will thrive. And that was immediately applicable to me to, and to my life as a priest. Uh, I think I've, I've mentioned the conversation that I had the other day with my, my new pastor, the, the new Polish colleague that I have, who encouraged me to to have patience, to be patient, to not want to do everything at once or, and push people around. And that was a, a big um, a lesson for me and it's really something that I try to apply. And then this, this interview with this real shepherd uh, went, kind of inspired me the same. It's like, well, I need to be, to be calm and people will find their way you need to, of course, guide them and help them and protect them and feed them. But try to steer as little as possible. Only do help them to, to go in a, in, a, in a general direction. Because you know more than the flock as a shepherd. He knows where they haven't been before, where they can eat, etc. Wow, that's a big bird flying across the street here. 
I'm approaching the river, the aim, and it was his, uh, I think the, must have been hunting a frog or something like that. Are there any frogs around this time of the year? I don't know. But um, the, uh, the, you, ha- you, sh- you have to kind of uh, trust the, the, the compass of the flock. They, they, take, they can take care of themselves. The only thing you need to do is to protect the perimeter and to guide them to the places where they can eat. And then they will do, actually, most of the work because those flocks in the Netherlands are very important to maintain our nature reserves and to graze on the hills. And the, uh, they, they help keep the balance. Oh, there the bird is sitting there in the rain. Oh, now he's flying away. Huge wingspan. Beautiful bird. And he's indeed, he's hunting. Flying super low over the grass. Wow. Cool. Love that. Anyway. So, and, and the nature there, we were walking around in the hills. Uh, uh, among All the trees were, were gold and brown and yellow. And uh, so gorgeous. And then you have these, these flocks of sheep walking in the morning sun. And the, 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 the beams, the sunbeams were hitting them on the back. And just... Absolutely fantastic. Um, what else did we do? I cooked uh, uh, a Christmas meal with a, another priest. And, well, all in all, we did a, a quite a few of uh, really good interviews. And then on Saturday, I uh, filmed in Hilversum, which is also close by. Or, which is close by. <laughs> Limburg in the south is not close by. Um... And that was a day uh, organized by Church in Need. And they invited a number of missionaries and, and priests from Africa and a priest from Syria to, to talk about their experiences. And then uh, they had a big mass with an African choir, which was really cool, <laughs> in a big old traditional basilica in the Netherlands. Um, and then to have that super enthusiastic, energetic African choir <laughs> was a great contrast. So that went well. And then yesterday, on Sunday, I had the masses and, and, and took it easy for the rest of the day. So all in all, it's a, it's a, new, it's a game changer, the fact that I live uh, in this new village and that I can separate work and, uh, and leisure time this as well. So it's, it's good. It's really great. And I hope there's, even though most of my rectory is completely empty the downside of not having much furniture um over time i think that i'll try to make it really cozy and i'm st- i'm already thinking about how to decorate things in a more harry potter style or in a, um uh the uh, uh shire type of, of things but, but it's cool to to have to take to be able to take my time to do that and not everything has to be in place right away. I really want to make sure that the the next couple of years that I live there, um, that my home is the place where I can recharge and find myself and pray and 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 relax because the work oops part of my umbrella is what is this? A little nice sound. <laughs> uh, a ring that is now detached from the rest. I hope my, my umbrella will keep functioning because it's really raining now. 
Um, but I, I hope it will help me to face the huge challenges in the next year, in 2019, because we're, not only am I going to uh, take the lead when it comes to my TV show, I'll probably be producing. I'll, I have a meeting tomorrow where I'll try to negotiate that. I'll, I'll be producing all my episodes, except for five that have already been produced by others. So that means I'll have to produce about two episodes per month, which is a, a lot. But the past few months, I've, I think I've shown that, that that is feasible and I can do that if I can take the lead and follow my intuition. There is a path here that I haven't seen before. You know what? Instead of continuing next to the river, I'm going to turn right here, walk next to the big hospital on my left and uh, head back home because the alternative will take me 45 minutes at least. And that's a little bit too much time for this walk. Um, so I've, I've changed the, the entire contents of a number of episodes um, in, you know, within, within a week sometimes. And it helps me to, to be quicker, to, to produce... To be creative, to be to when when one topic doesn't work out or I can't arrange it, we'll switch to something else. And it's that speed that is much more common in the world of vloggers that I need to introduce in the in my television work. Otherwise, I won't be able to to uh, to to reach my my goals and to uh, to produce enough. So that is a bit of a it, can, it may create some tension also with the kind of more traditional approach in, in, in these classic media, especially when it comes to television. But yeah, sometimes you just have to make changes before you ask permission and then uh, and just prove that it's feasible as well. So I'm happy with that. Um, when it comes to the, the other thing that we're going to do is launch a new channel in the Netherlands, or at least in the Dutch part of, of Europe. Um, and we only have about one month left to create content so that we can start in January. And that is absolutely my... <laughs> I, I've placed my flag there at the beginning of January. We need to get going with that and build it up. And that is even more of an adventure because we'll have to figure out uh, very creative, efficient ways to produce content because we haven't found the funding yet for that channel but i am convinced that it will follow when we oh geez this is a dead end or is it there's a big gate here don't tell me i have to walk all the way back oh no no, no. there's a little neighborhood here that starts good <laughs> so um the reason that i i'm glad that i i wanted to do those christmas episodes early is that then my slate is clean and my mind is empty and I can make room for these other programs. There's one last big project ahead of me that is still linked to TV and that is my upcoming trip to the Holy Land. This will be my first visit to Israel and um, uh, we are going to visit all the regular places, Nazareth and Bethlehem and Masada and Jerusalem. I've never been there. I'll be following a group of pilgrims from the Netherlands, uh, most of which are, have a 
medical condition. Um, and so it's a bit of a slower group. Uh, it's also the group with um, uh, a few more media people that are uh, following this, this pilgrimage. And I'm uh, making uh, an episode of my TV show with that story, basically. The story of discovering the Holy Land with these people. I have no idea what to expect. I don't really have a story yet. But visually, I, I know that, that this is, you know, kind of produces itself. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the easiest thing I can do. Or the, like, let's say the, 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 the basic thing is, uh, is a travel vlog or a travel report. Well, just tell the stories of, of, of the trip. And then hopefully I can find a few people with an interesting story. Hopefully a personal story that I can link to the, to the visit of the Holy Land. And, and many people are like, oh, you, you're so lucky. to." Do. And I almost feel embarrassed to say that actually it's the last thing I want to do right now. Not because I don't want to go to the Holy Land, because it's been on my bucket list for a long time, but it's because of the fact that it's happening now. And I just, I'm running out of time. Christmas is around the corner and there is so much that needs to be done uh, not just in terms of production, but also in terms of organization and uh, with the new studios and every, I want everything to be ready at the beginning of 2019. And uh, it is, uh, uh, yeah, the <laughs> traveling for, it's, it's going to be, I think, eight days that I'm away and then I'll be nonstop with this group. So, double that is a lot of, that's a big time investment for just one TV episode. So hopefully I'll be able to do a little bit more than that. And, uh, I don't know, perhaps create already a mini-series for next year. I'll, I'll see what happens. So, um, oh, about the move. There's one thing that I still wanted to confess, almost. <laughs> uh, you know that I had this plan of reducing my stuff to 10 boxes. So that... The only thing I had to move was 10 boxes of possessions plus furniture. Well, I ran out of time. I didn't, I didn't reach that goal. And in the end, I think it's more 20 boxes instead of 10. And there, it's literally not because I don't want to declutter or I can't part with my stuff. But it's because at the end, you know, you're just days before moving with so much other work that I had to do. I was like, okay, I'll sort it out later. Just put it in a box and let's bring it over. And so <laughs> decluttering is still something, um, it's a process. It's an ongoing process. Um, and <laughs> I had preached about this as well. And so my parishioners were constantly asking me, did you really, you know, did you succeed in, in reducing your stuff to, to only 10 boxes? Because most people are like, this, that's never going to happen. And Constantly, I have to say, well, no, actually, no. It's more like 20 boxes. But that is still, I keep telling myself that, that is still only a third or a quarter of the stuff that I moved previously. And I've, I've really gotten rid of more than half of my stuff in the past few months. And I will continue to sort things out. And I need to because everything is in boxes and I can't find anything right now. It's so frustrating. I didn't have a debt. Well, I now have a small 
tiny temporary desk that I bought at Ikea's for 24 bucks. But um, I still need to... Uh, you know what? I'm going to move my umbrella to my right hand because this thing is heavy. And I notice that my, my hand is literally tingling because it doesn't get enough uh, blood. <laughs> this is a really huge umbrella. Okay, this is better. So, um, I can't find anything. I didn't have a desk. I still have to uh, uh, put... Uh, create a new corner for my computer I need to have internet <laughs> and before that it's really hard to declutter uh, at least the, the paperwork and the photos etc but I'm working on it and it'll give me something to do in my uh, Christmas holiday week alright let's try to cross the road here again and then we're going to take a look at the office and see if Inga's already there and uh, we'll start with our planning session. And oh, one thing that's really cool is that um, uh, with Martin, we, uh, we hold each other accountable that we leave the office before six o'clock in the evening. Which actually uh, has not, I wasn't able to do that. So uh, when was it, Saturday? When we came back from filming in uh, Hilversum, he was like, okay, I'm going to stay here until you are out of the office. I don't want you to stay here and work until 10 o'clock in the evening. That happened actually uh, last week as well. When we came back from the south of the country, there was still so much. I had to make a backup of all the files and put the batteries and the chargers and um, <laughs> make some uh, arrangements for... Uh, the next couple of days and, uh, and before you know it it's 10 o'clock and I haven't eaten yet and he, he saw that later on, on social media and so he was like okay I'm just going to stay here and kick you out of the office <laughs> so hopefully um, that will be the new way of working that you know when it's time to eat we'll stop and whatever we couldn't do will have to be move to the next day and, and it also helps me to delegate more and to be very specific about the things that I can't do and be realistic in my planning and uh, more, the more I work with uh, Martin the more I see that I can just hand him things like I was running out of time calling people for the for the Christmas episode. I just gave him a few names and telephone numbers. And just call them up and ask them and, and try to arrange something. And just not... The fact that I didn't have to do that and that it, he was taking care of that uh, was a huge um, relief. And, and I was able to let it go. And whatever the two of us can't manage, uh, well, then we'll just have to not do that <laughs> and that's a different way of working I've always been pushing myself so hard um, that it often was to the detriment of my health and that should not happen and we're still working too much and we're still making mistakes when it comes to the planning we're, we're investing so much in the television uh, program and also the negotiations for the next year that we just we, we are unable to, to meet our own goals for the rest of Tradio Media. And so the, I, I blame myself for not having 
record it, um, my, my weekly show, for two weeks now. And at the same time, I'm, I'm, blam- I'm, I'm blaming the fact that we didn't plan this carefully enough. But I'm not blaming myself for stopping when time's up, you know. I, I was tempted to go back to the office at night and record those shows on Sunday. But I didn't. Because Sunday is a day of rest. I need that, that free space to clear my mind. I need to find ways to keep on training. Uh, the, uh, to keep on running. My, my, my marathon is now two or three weeks ago. And it's time, now that I've recovered enough, to pick it up again and start running. And, I, and that's something that I can't... I can't there are no extra hours in the, in a day. I need to have time to eat as well and to read etc to pray. So it requires more focused planning. And that is uh that's the way for the future as well. I'm really hopeful that uh things will continue to go up to go up in terms of productivity, efficiency and hopefully much more importantly creatively because the ultimate goal of course is to help people and uh, not to run a business but I, I, I just see that, that right now we're, we're building the machine in a certain way that will then help us to to do to, uh, to, to it, it, can, it, it will <laughs> it will benefit the mission and so I'm putting a little bit more extra effort in making sure that as an organization we run professionally, um, which is a learning curve for all of us. But we're getting there. And once everyone knows what to do and, and we are, we're, 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 we're um, there's, there's good synergy and, and, and we meet our goals, then I can focus more on what I do best and it's telling stories helping people and doing creative stuff and then everything else we'll have to wait I'll just write it down and there are always these these missed opportunities and that was driving me nuts (laughs) like the former Father Roderick would always see tons of of opportunities and I could do that and I should do that and I have to do this and it would uh Usually, I wouldn't be able to do it, or it would cost me my my uh, inner peace or my my health, and that that has stopped. And I don't want to go back to that life, and I don't think I have to, because we're working in a different way now. Final things uh, that I wanted to share: this past weekend, I was really struck by the by the readings, um, and it was. The, the, this beautiful reading of uh, uh, the, the, the Jesus is at the temple, I think. And at first he's ranting against the scribes that are kind of pretending that they are helping people, but they're only looking for their own gain and profit and trying to find you know places where they can eat and be applauded by people. And then they do some just some... Uh, prayers just to almost as a uh, to cover up their own greed and then he sh- he tells he sees this 
little lady, uh, a widow, who gives her last cents to the, to the temple, offers up her last cents because she trusts that God will provide. And uh, I was preaching about this in my homily, and I was like, okay, this is all about the, the perhaps the most essential uh, aspect of, of being a Christian. It is that our life should be about giving, giving ourselves away. Sacrifice is a form of giving. It's giving your life. It's giving not just what you don't use or, you know, whatever you, you, you can miss, but it's giving yourself. It's giving your heart and your soul. And that is what makes you happy. That is what, what really constitutes true uh, treasure, um, being, being rich is not about having stuff. And the funny thing is that you really truly become rich when you give away stuff and you give away yourself. And I, I was thinking about these two months ahead of us, so November and December, which used to be months of giving, where the poor would go door to door and, and ask for help, ask for food, ask for clothes, and people would give them to that. And it's from those... Um, traditional months of, of 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 charity that our our gift giving tradition comes, but that has completely changed, and 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 it's almost the opposite of what it used to be. And now November and December are all about buying about stuff. Like the other day, it was Singles Day, which apparently is a Chinese thing where, you know, this online Chinese store, Alibaba, is, is making billions, billions every single minute of the that, of that, of that singles day, where, where people that live alone um, will buy stuff for themselves to, you know, I deserve this, that kind of, that kind of feeling. And I, I saw just the amount of spam, and it's, it's bigger than, than Black Friday uh, in, in the world. And I was thinking... It's actually a very tragic occasion, Singles Day. It's it's people who, for whatever reason, are alone, and what what this this commercial extravaganza is trying to, or at least is messaging, is that you just try to fill that hole in your soul and your life with stuff. Just buy stuff; you'll feel better. It's so blatantly <laughs> uh, the opposite of of what people truly need, that's almost offensive that they try to shove this through our throats. Because, of course, they're trying to turn this into another Black Friday. So even more occasions to buy stuff. And then we get Cyber Monday. uh, All our fees days are being um, amplified, uh, are lasting longer. So not because, not to celebrate, but to buy. I mean, look, look at the amount of time that we are now uh, able to buy our Christmas stuff and people are decorating their houses. Now, I'm all about, you know, creating a cozy atmosphere. And, but it is the, the commercial nature of that. And it's, it's all about buying. Uh, whether it's Thanksgiving, it's all about eating and uh, all, the, all the Cyber Monday. <laughs> like, none of that is going to make us happier. And I think it was also a bit of a mirror for myself 
how am I behaving? Am I looking for those deals all the time? Am I frantically surfing all those websites in order to get 10% off this or that and then buying it because it was on sale, not because I needed it, but it was such a great deal? Well, that never should be a reason to buy more stuff. If there's anything that I've learned from decluttering, it's that. Um, you, you buy things because it, it ha- truly has value for you or for the people around you but not because it was on sale. But we're, we're bombarded with these stimuli, and at the same time, I think we're forgetting to, to be givers. And, and the reason that we need to learn how to give is because that is what, what makes us the image of God himself. God created us to his image. doesn't mean that we look like him physically or, so, or anything. Um, but it's because God, in his... In his, the essence of God is giving, is sacrifice, is, is sacrificing love. So the Father, God the Father, is actually incredibly poor. We always imagine heaven to be this super rich you know, place where they have huge flat screen TVs and food in abundance and we can eat chocolate until, well, we don't die. So <laughs> it, we, we always imagine heaven as the place of abundance, but it is the, it's, pro, it's a place where... There's probably nothing except for us and God who give, who's giving themselves away. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place of abandonment. Not, not in, in a negative way, but it is... I often think that in our whole imagery, perhaps it's the opposite. We imagine, you know, the um, purgatory and hell to be these forsaken places where there's nothing... Well, perhaps in, in hell they have uh, Singles Day every, every day of eternity. <laughs> and the only thing that people do is buy crap. <laughs> and, then, and then feeling even more unhappy about that because it creates debt and everything and it doesn't really uh, help them to, to be, become what, what they're called to be. And that's, just, that's the actual suffering. So <laughs> and perhaps heaven is the place where constantly people are, are, are gifting things. They're helping each other. They're... Uh, singing songs to each other and it's all about abandoning yourself and giving yourself because that is what, what makes us happy that is what makes us find who we truly are called to be so for me it's still a question mark on how to um, apply that more in my life how to train that better that, that giving muscle now, one of the things that I uh, wanted to do but I still haven't really I did it a few times, is whenever I buy something for myself, like a a video game, to donate the same amount of money to a charity, to to train myself to be in a giving mode every at at every step of my life, and I'm sometimes just lazy, and I or I just I don't think about it, but I should really try to do that more. Um, like I, I bought this nice chair, um, but there's so many people that have no uh, no home to stay. So why don't I reserve the same amount of money that I spend on myself and give it away? And I think that that will, that will make people happy. That, that it'll help people. Oftentimes, the money we spend here is worth ten times as much in poorer countries. So it could do so much good. Why don't I do that? Same thing with. You know, all, all, all the, the 
the trips, my vacations, you know. Why don't I... Of course, I'm, I'm always a bit frugal when it comes to... I don't buy that much stuff, and I, I always try to keep the expenses during my vacation very small, much to the chagrin of my other friends. They're always like, hey, you're always so, so on the money. And I was like, yeah, but it... You know, I feel uncomfortable spending overspending on myself i know of course that we all need vacation and i don't want to be this this austere um you know judging person like look at how how sober i'm living and ye shall live the same or yeah it's not about that but it's because i know that um living a simple life and and also you know keeping vacation simple helps us find the the simple solutions to what we're actually look struggling with so a vacation it's all about friendship and instead of you know spending hundreds and hundreds of of euros on on a, a hotel or whatever or a luxury car rental car why don't we keep it simple and and invest in in, in sharing our vacation with friends uh, that, like we did in, in Spain. I, those were, for me, the highlights. It was the times that we, uh, um, we made paella with this Spanish family. The, the morning that we went climbing this mountain with, uh, with the people that, that graciously uh, borrowed us their home. Um, and that didn't cost much. But it was so much more... Uh, fulfilling and gratifying and, and, and those are happy moments uh, much more than you know what money could buy simple things so I'm going to think about that hard in the next couple of weeks and see if I can uh, pay more attention to that lifestyle where if I spend something on myself I also want to give it away and, and make that equal and balanced in my life because ultimately in heaven there's nothing that we can take. We have to be completely decluttered in heaven. There's nothing you can take with you. And if you keep hoarding stuff, then you will only make it more difficult for the people after you that will inherit all that stuff to get rid of it and to live this simple lifestyle. So why not start now and train yourself for eternity where we will always be decluttered and perhaps, perhaps we're sitting in purgatory for many centuries. I don't know. With all surrounded by all our stuff and and all our attachments, because it's not just, of course, the physical stuff, but also all, all, all the other things that are holding us back that we that we put in place of of our true happiness, which is, you know, being in this giving love. And uh, and perhaps purgatory will be this time of decluttering, trying to live. To, be, to become simple again uh, as a child in a certain way, as a newborn child who has nothing. And the only thing that it needs is someone to take care of, of him or her, to feed him or her, or to, and especially to love. Well, anyway, hmm, food for thought. Thank you for listening to uh, this episode of The Walk I'm Almost Home. It's still raining, and I think today there will be no filming. But... I will be um, I'll be doing my uh, my show uh, live on Facebook and on well not on YouTube yet I'm working on that but definitely on Facebook and uh, uh, yeah thanks for walking with me 
And thanks for your feedback, by the way. I, I really appreciate it when uh, uh, you let me know. And this happens almost every week when listeners tell me how much this or this topic or episode or whatever has helped them in their own life uh, to help to help them discern, help them declutter, etc. Um, that, that's valuable feedback for me because then I know that that well, I know what's helpful and what is not. So uh, keep that feedback coming, and thank you so much for uh, for for uh, for being a listener. And if you know any other people that may enjoy this 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 show, well, perhaps send them an email and send them the link, and that may actually also help other people. So uh, thanks, and finally, thanks to my patrons um, over at Patreon.com, and I. That's another group of people that I want to focus more on really next year, um, and and I'll I'll try to do even more with with the community of patrons because that's the kind of cool things of the whole patreon system it's 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 a group of people that actually are working with me to bring you this content and uh and i want to find ways to do to 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 strengthen that and to do more creatively together as a community so thank you so so much for that and uh if you uh if you're in a giving mood then patreon.com slash father roderick is one of the many ways in which you could uh help and uh but don't let that keep you from helping all those other people and and, and great charities as well i'll talk to you soon and uh yeah bye bye <laughs>